This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Hey, welcome to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Nick Ashburn. And I'm Sandy Hunt. And we join you here live on Sirius XM Channel 132 every Thursday from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern, 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific. We are replayed throughout the week. And of course, you can always find us on demand on the Sirius XM app. And Sandy, today's show is jam-packed with uh, two things that are near and dear to my heart. So as the Senior Director of Impact Investing at the Wharton Social Impact Initiative, ESG and impact investing uh-huh. is what I do. It's also what you do. Yes, it is. And so our first guest will be Todd Headkey, who is the chief investment officer at Allianz Life Insurance in the investment management division. So that's a BFD. Yeah. I won't actually use the word it on is. air. And he, here's how B. Here's how big. Yeah. More than three quarters of respondents say that ESG is important in their investment decisions. An open question is, has the money moved? And I think that's a question you and I are constantly asking everyone we talk to in the investment spaces. We're seeing these survey results. Is the money moving? How is it moving? And also, you and I both know that insurance companies and pension funds account for like more than 50% of the investable assets. Humongous, humongous percentage of the pie. If you're thinking about capital that can make change, this is the first place to spend your time. So, I mean, that's why I'm so excited to talk to a place like (laughs) Allianz because, um, this is an, if they're actually paying attention to this mm-hmm. space, it, it means something. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to sort of prime our listeners for that. Um, and then the second reason why I'm excited about this show is is a, is a group of our second guests. So at the um, at the other half hour, we'll be speaking with Adam Harris, staff writer at The Atlantic, and Ben Miller, vice president for post-secondary education at the Center for American Progress. And what we'll be speaking with, uh, about with them is uh, the fact that student loan debt is drowning this generation, my Mm -hmm. generation, our generation, but it is disproportionately affecting minorities, specifically African-American students. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm excited to dig into that. It really is based on the fact that that billionaire, you know, forgave the loans of this year's graduating class at Morehouse College. Yes. And I was walking, I don't want to take credit for this brilliant thought, but I was walking into campus with a colleague who also works here at the school. And she was remarking that someone said to her, gosh, I really hope they do a longitudinal study of these graduates to see how alleviating the pressure of student loans changes their life. And you can imagine right away, gosh, you know, without student loans, would you buy a home earlier? Would you begin investing earlier? Would you maximize your 401k? Would you have children earlier? Would you take a job you are passionate about versus one with a higher paycheck? I mean, the, the list is endless of ways that the pressure of a student loan and that sort of financial obligation shapes a person's decisions. I know how I would answer many of those yeah, questions. Exactly, right? And and I think our listeners are probably sitting in their cars or at their computers going, here's 15 more dimensions in which that's impacting my life, my Absolutely. health, my time, whatever it is. What a fabulous case study to have this one cohort. I mean, as researchers, right, this is the stuff we dream of. It's an A-B study set up. To see, because colleges typically attract similar classes year over year, take a class, study it, then take a look at this class. So fascinating stuff. Um, I don't think we've heard a lot from from the philanthropists on sort of the specifics of why and how and, you know, but it's just what a transform. I mean, that has to be the best graduation speech ever given, right, to, to include that in there. I bet students were stunned. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely read articles where, you know, 
people were in tears oh. because they had significant amount of debt that, you know, were wiped away. And one of the things that I, I sort of, one of my initial thoughts, mm-hmm. because I pay my student loans yeah. every month is whoever's servicing those loans are like, ah, gosh, darn it. Yeah. yeah I'm well, not getting that money. I mean, for better or for worse, they, uh, their market is still there. It's still there. Right? It's, it's a small slice, but also just a powerful statement, a powerful thing to do as we come up on election. It's not an election year yet, but Close you know, enough. It, it, it's never not a time of political dialogue these days. And so really interesting because we're seeing how politicians land on it, who's sort of supporting this and what proposals we're starting to see, especially from Democratic 2020 candidates about how to address this issue. And I think, you know, for our listeners, one of the things that we'll be speaking with Adam and Ben about are sort of what, as maybe a parent, what, you know, what can you expect for your children? Or as a listener who probably has student debt, you know, what, you know, what are those things that you're affected by and how might we Mm -hmm. be thinking about this a little differently? And I, I do think that it is part of the political conversation too. But, you know, without further ado, let's get to Todd. He's the chief investment officer where he leads the investment management, liquidity planning, hedging, and trading of more than $100 billion of insurance assets for Allianz Life Insurance. Todd Hedke, welcome to Dollars and Change. Well, thank you. We are very excited to speak with you um, about what you do at Allianz. So let's talk briefly about your background and what you're responsible for there. Sure. Um, so as, as you mentioned, I am the chief investment officer at Allianz Life and uh, the head of investment management in North America for Allianz. So Allianz, we invest um, our global balance sheet, which is more than $700 billion, uh, U.S., um, through basically five regional hub structures. And again, I, I head the piece here um, in the U.S. and collaborate with my colleagues on a worldwide basis to run the entire portfolio. Tell us a little bit, Todd, how you think about your stakeholders. Just help, you know, help folks who are listening understand the sort of scopes of stakeholders that you're thinking about when we talk about investors, when we talk about companies. Position yourself in that world for our listeners. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, first and foremost, you know, we're in the business of of selling insurance-based products, okay? And um, that includes life insurance, health, property casualty insurance. So um, one of our core uh, stakeholders is our policies holder, obviously. Um, But we have shareholders as well. And then when you start thinking about ESG, I think it's very relevant to think about our corporate citizenship. We are one of the largest, you know, companies around the globe, and we are are in more than 70 different countries um, in, in the world. And so our impact, not just through capital, but just the way we um, do business, has a big impact on the lives of many around us. And how do you define corporate citizenship? Because we're seeing that definition really evolve and lines blur between you know, groups thinking about their investment capital with an impact lens and also what was traditionally more the philanthropic arm of, of corporate social responsibility. What does it look like for you guys? Well, we try to take a pretty holistic view of, call it this ESG whether it's on the environmental side, the social side, or the governance side. Um, we're very active, particularly um, in Europe on the environmental side, but in the U.S., um, and as the survey we did shows, the social and governance issues are just as important or more important. And so trying to make sure you know, we are not you know, focusing just in, in one area, but really a 360-degree um, approach to that. And so what, what I find interesting about a, a group like Allianz, um, you know, as you mentioned, one of your key stakeholders are your policyholders. And so that you are able to, 
you know, invest the principal here so that if there is an incident that you had to pay out, that you're able to pay that out. Whereas when we have other sorts of investment managers or asset managers on the show, they're representing sort of individual clients, perhaps. And, and so they're able to liaise perhaps with that pension fund head or with that you know individual client to hear what they're interested in, how they want to deploy their capital. So um, what really motivated you all to do this survey on environmental, social, and governance factors in the first place? Well, again, we really want to position ourselves as one of the most trusted financial services companies out there. And as we talk about that, we have our own internal views. We have internal views of our different levels of management, the feedback that we do get from our shareholders and so forth. But we really wanted to get a better sense in the U.S. um, of our potential customers, what they were thinking, what they were feeling about you know, the various elements of this topic. So that was really the motivation for us to do this. And so we truly did have a better handle on, call it that, that policyholder base and, and the general uh, public here in the U.S. So, so it is interesting because if I think about your, your clients, you know, the policyholders, um, in some senses, you might be hearing like, oh, they are interested in in these types of, you know, investing in these types of areas. So we should follow suit, even though like they're buying our product because of, you know, they need insurance. Whereas like I'm also imagining it's it's in a similar retail sense in some senses. Like if I want to, you know, go to one big box retailer over the other because of certain values that I know that they hold from a mindset perspective, it may not be so dissimilar. Yeah, I, I agree, Nick. I think that that's a you know, a very interesting point because what is, you know, what, what are people expecting from their insurance policy holder, you know, that they pay out if I have, yeah, I mean, I think that's a number one. So tell us, you know, how, how Todd, are you seeing your, what are they, what are your customers demanding? Are they demanding that their principal is invested in impact? Are they demanding just that they know you guys are a good actor and that helping helps increase their trust in your, uh, you know, insurance providing? Yeah, I, I would say it was, it's probably more more the latter. Again, we we really want to position ourselves in that trusted um, space. I mean, okay. and as you say, our policyholders are entrusting us with a large amount of their personal capital. First and foremost, they want to know that they're going to get that back, um, and that's part of that trust. But I think another element of trust is being um, very responsible and sustainable, and, and being a leader in that space is something um, we want to absolutely display to. You know, both our, our policyholders and you know potential policyholders. Do policyholders think about, in general, the the finances of their insurance organization? Because when I think about how insurance shops are advertised, it's usually you know response time and claims paid and things like this. And less, here's how we're doing in our back office. Here's how our investments are are looking, and why that should give you peace of mind about being a policyholder with us. Is that? A correct assumption, or are you seeing a shift in what policyholders expect? Well, you know, I think this day and age, and this is probably an investment theme as much as it is um, also about our policyholder, mm-hmm. but I think transparency is so much greater in the world that we mm-hmm. live in today than we lived in 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and that transparency puts everybody on display more and focuses us on um, making sure that people are educated. And, and we, so we have a desire um, to have an educated client at the end of the day. Um, so again, I, I think that that is just a general 
call it macro theme that I, I think is is changing the way we do business, but the way a lot of companies do business. And, and quite frankly, I think that's for a very good cause in the end. So um, I think that's great. Now, with that said, what we found in our ESG survey is although people have a lot of beliefs and passion around different elements of the ESG construct, they don't always put their money there. Mm-hmm. And what I think that speaks to very clearly is the opportunity for the consumer to be further educated. And again, I think as a company here in, in Minneapolis where we're at, we're often working with financial advisors to help educate the end, the end consumer. I think this is a real opportunity for that group of, of individuals to really help and take the ball on this and help educate the end consumer as well. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Nick Ashburn with Sandy Hunt, and we're speaking with Todd Hedke, who's the Chief Investment Officer of Allianz Life Insurance. And Todd, you know, when I think about um, this survey, I was shocked by some of the the statistics. So what are some of the highlights you would bring out for our listeners? Yeah, uh, a couple of things. First, First of all, you know, when we conducted this, we often think of ESG, and sometimes maybe it's just the way the mind works, but it starts with the E, and because it literally does start with the E, and that's the environmental factors. And that's something we're very focused on as Allianz, um, particularly on a worldwide basis. But what we found here in the U.S. that those social and governance items are also just as important to people. So that was definitely one thing. Um, I think also we saw great, as I would say, passion around many of these topics. Um, scores in the 70, 80 percent that people are very interested and engaged with the many different dimensions of ESG. Um, but the final point I think was probably the most surprising is people aren't always following through with making that investment decision in that way. Uh, around about 40 percent of them, of our respondents, actually came back and told us, yeah, these are important issues but the financial returns are more important. And although I can understand that, and especially as somebody who has to weigh pros and cons of all decisions, I find it very interesting to believe as a long-term investor, and this is my own domain, and um, I think as a long-term investor, it's really hard to argue that some of the themes around environmental, social, um, governance issues aren't actually going to lead to long-term investment wins as well. So to see that people actually are seeing a difference between doing what they think is, in terms of their own value system, the right thing, and how they invest their money is actually pretty interesting to me. And and tell us a little bit, maybe some examples, Todd, of where you see that materiality in the long term. You know, what dimensions of ESG you're anticipating are going to be material to returns in a way that considering them would put you guys in a, in a better position? Sure. I mean, you could look across the entire spectrum. And in terms of ESG, there are so many topics. But, you know, to think about, for me, carbon and the carbon footprint that companies are leaving, um, to believe that a company who's producing, you know, high levels of carbon um, are still going to be generally rewarded um, in, in a broader sense in a longer-term horizon 
is, is pretty hard to believe right now. Um, when you look at the impact, and I think the models are fairly clear, of the impact that carbon is having on our overall uh, society, I think it's pretty clear that you may want to be on the other side of that investment. So to do what is maybe so-called consistent with one's value system and putting their money in the same spot is not inconsistent. But like I say, yet again, our survey says it is. Take another um, example, you know, transparency of business processes, as an example. Okay, that seems to be almost common sense. It's something that, as investors, we're always kind of underwriting, if you will. But again, that's part of the G element of ESG. Well, again, I think those two things are actually consistent as long-term investors that. Investing your money in a fashion that's consistent with, um, you know, what the the value system may may tell us um, is not incompatible. So, those are just a couple examples that I would provide. Sure, and and Todd, you sort of mentioned this thing around sort of punishing or rewarding uh, different actors. So, what that's one of the things that I think popped up in your survey too is that rewards were much stronger than this idea of like you know divesting or punishing companies for their bad behavior. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the only two areas that we found people were willing, from an investment standpoint, to, to punish um, uh, companies, if you will, is around donations to political candidates um, and animal testing. These were the only hmm. two. <laughs> so, um, transparency of business practices, as I said before, to me, that's you know almost common sense as an investor, but not necessarily scoring that way in our survey. So, that I found that to be very interesting as well. And, you know, the other element of that, too, is usually happens too late. So, you know, when things become very public and um, investors, you know, see, you know, storylines on the front page of the newspaper, then they say there's 71% of the time, well, then they'll stop investing with those companies. My point is a long-term investor, then it's too late. Right. Okay. So you have to be thinking about this up front. If you think about it at that point, well, you've already lost, you know, a certain element of your of your investment already. Yeah. So, Todd, you spend your days thinking about how to, you know, invest this tremendous amount of capital, uh, you know, and I'm curious, as you see the impact space broadly, the ESG investing movement evolve, what's some of your advice for how you identify really smart impact investing you know, decisions, uh, screens that work, tools that work, um, you know, models that work, because you have the the sort of privilege of such tre- such a tremendous amount and diversity of, you know, investment opportunities. What do people need to know? Yeah, well, first point I would make is that this is a very complex area. So when you look at all these elements, they don't always necessarily go in the same direction. A company may be doing some great things um, in terms of green energy, but they might not have the best governance or, you know, something else. So the complexity is very large. So we put a handful of principles together to guide our investing decisions. So as an example, we will obviously work with the, the partners that we feel share the same value system we do, who commit to a certain level of ESG involvement. We score. So our you're making sure they have like a screen or a tool or a standard or something that they employ? That they have a policy, a exactly, policy. and okay. review their policy and, and how they go about, um, you know, ensuring um, their involvement as well. 
Um, but we score things. We do um, on a case-by-case look at excluding different types of investment. But we would actually much prefer to engage with companies. So as opposed to saying hmm. XYZ organization, because of your practices here, we're not going to invest in you. And we would rather say, okay, you're doing this today. We see this. But what can and what are you planning to do for the future to change your organization in another way? And if you are going to put your money in there, then maybe we will invest with you. So it's really more about engaging with companies as opposed to necessarily excluding them. Now, with that said, we, we still keep that within our within our framework. Um, but that that is probably the most powerful tool that we have is really this element of engagement. And as you think about um, the size of organization we are and some of the organizations mm-hmm. we're talking to, if you think about that, there's a real multiplier effect there. Absolutely, um, and, yeah. And doing things better for for all the world around us. Yeah, 100, 100 billion in assets, asking those questions and starting to sort of pull makes a huge difference. Well, and that's sort of where I was going is I think in, in our world, we the terminology would be, almost be like a universal asset owner, which when you make decisions, it sort of trickles through almost the entire financial services industry or the investment landscape. So how have you seen the response from either, you know, companies that you're engaging with or other intermediaries that, you know, you're having managed some of the capital, you know, have they had to change or, you know, to, to be able to receive your, your capital? What, what are you seeing in terms of those dynamics? Yeah, I mean, without without naming names, we, we've definitely seen most companies are really open to this form of engagement and really receptive. So, you know, we've had a number of conversations with companies who are maybe in a space today as a principal business or the way they do business um, is maybe not what we would want to support. But if we simply excluded them, you know, we, we may not be aware of the fact that, hey, they're doing this project here that's going to be an extreme positive. So we could actually invest in that new project and actually make change that way. So, yeah, $100 billion is a good positive. carrot to motivate good behavior, <laughs> uh, to make them a, a you know, a, wor- a worthy or considered investment for you guys. Well, we think so. We think so. And like I say, um, that's certainly a good way to, you know, and again, uh, even on a worldwide basis, we try to do this in a very uh, coordinated fashion from an Allianz standpoint. And then, you know, you can, like I say, you can take the $100 million number and it's it's even quite a bit bigger. And it touches in our presence in in some of these countries um, is pretty substantial. So we can really um, drive that impact, you know, that way through this, through this engagement. But again, we do have um, a whole filter, a whole framework where we, we go by scoring and um, exclusion and, and engagement. But I, I think this element of engagement is the strongest for sure. You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio powered by the Wharton School. I'm Nick Ashburn with Sandy Hunt, and we're speaking with Todd Hedke, who's the Chief Investment Officer of Allianz Life Insurance. So, Todd, um, you... We've had a great conversation so far, and, you know, we still feel like this is a bit of a frontier. The data, you know, the statistics you shared are are really interesting and compelling, but there's still a lot of action to do. So what's on the horizon for Allianz, and and where do you think the future is going for this field? Yeah, I I think this is only only the beginning in some ways, though I want to be careful with that because a lot of these topics – that we're talking about are not necessarily new topics. Mm-hmm. Okay, so having sound uh, executive compensation packages, having good health care plans for employees, and you know, animal not um, doing bad by animal testing and so forth. These are not necessarily new topics, 
But what I think is picking up steam, okay, and just society more broadly, but in the investment space, this ESG term is something that is really crystallizing um, and bringing investors together, quite frankly. And I think that is going to help push these initiatives at a much faster pace than what we've seen in the past. Okay, um, so it really is. I would say it's a bit of a, a movement, if you will, uh, in space. Um, more broadly, of course, than just on the investing side, but for sure as investors, I, I see this. I can't go to an investment um, industry event of, of any variety and ESG not be very prominently placed within the event. And I can tell you five years ago, that was not the case. So I've seen this momentum firsthand. I know what we're doing. Really do think um, the momentum is picking up, and quite frankly, that's very encouraging. You know, it's, um, it's very encouraging for us to hear. You yeah. know, it's and like you said, it's not necessarily that big change is being made, big capital is being deployed, but just that it's becoming a part of every conversation. Right, and very, I, very. I think one sign. of the misnomers is that people assume it's the feel good, whatever. But some of these things are just really good business practices that have been around a long time. They they're starting to be more according to the data, are slowly getting better. All of these things. So thank you for sharing that perspective. Um, thanks again for joining us. We've been speaking with Todd Hedke, who's the chief investment officer of Allianz Life Insurance. We're going to take a short break, but stick with us. When we get back, we'll be speaking with Adam Harris, staff writer at The Atlantic, and Ben Miller, Vice President for Post-Secondary Education at the Center for American Progress. This is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 132. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 